We are back behind the badge. Uh, another new episode here. Uh, Professor, what's going on, brother? How are you? Living the dream, my friend. How about you? Uh, you know, I would complain, but nobody literally cares, so I won't. That's, that's but true. today, uh, we have a special guest here. Um, you know, every now and then, people that we argue with, we have, you know, confrontations with or disagreements it's funny because every now and then you're told by this person or this group, why don't you get up and do something about it? Well, our next guest did. Um, joining us today is Matt E.B. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt, M-A-T-T-E-B-P-H. Is that I or L? I'm sorry, Matt. L, that's an L. Yeah, Silly. I, I, and I should have known that, being that I've lived, here, right. lived here my entire life. Um. All yeah. good. Thank you for the intro. No problem. Um, thanks for joining us. So, you know, let's get right into it. Um, Professor, as you know, me and you, when we were in the warrant unit, that one of the biggest pet peeves that we had and would still have if we were still in it was the human trafficking aspect of our job. Yeah. How we continuously day after day, night after night, job after job, ran into countless women in our careers but mine much longer than yours who were you know there against their will or basically trapped into this lifestyle and it always pissed me off we always went hard after the people that were involved and it always seemed like of all the crimes in this country now you know murder is the the grossest and or not the grossest but the um most severe and it gets all the attention but the human trafficking, especially like with kids, mm-hmm. uh, any woman against her will, it kind of all goes to the wayside. So, well, it, you know what, though, man? I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I think human trafficking of children gets headlines. Um, mm-hmm. When you start well, dealing with females, I think a lot of times people view them, they're not very sympathetic victims. You know, in many instances, they're people that are using drugs. And I think the average person just says, oh, you know, they know what they're getting into. Yeah. And so they're not mm-hmm. as interested. Right. But as. As we've seen, it's not always the case. But this year, no, well, of course not. So, so what happened last year? Um, during all the riots, starting in June, there was a situation in Philadelphia that we've talked about right. before. The incident on you mean you, you mean you mean peaceful protest? Yeah, the peaceful protesting <laughs> on the highway, um, which we know, like I know for a fact that. Uh, the in, the incident on six seventy six with the cop who ultimately got arrested, the SWAT officer. The um, the commander who demoted himself, although he was forced to demote himself, a lot of people took the blame for that incident because, you know, the commissioner didn't want to look bad that day. And there's paper trails, but not to get into that whole point of that incident, but that incident led to what we're going to talk about now was all of a sudden over overnight, literally, those people most mostly all shifted over to. Uh, the parkway and set up this entire, you know, homeless encampment that the city basically ignored and allowed to just rage on until 
It was actually a little worse than that. It was actually a little worse than them allowing it to go on because that was sort of the narrative that the press spun and they also engaged in a fake lawsuit where Kenny, uh, Mayor Kenny, looked like he was battling with these people. But so you you said that, you know, I was one of these people who saw something wrong. I stood up and basically I started to see that the press was falsely reporting this whole situation. So I came across a uh, edition of Philadelphia Weekly. And what I exposed was that they were using stock images of people that they found on the Internet and trying to pass them off as homeless people at this encampment. (laughs) Oh, my God. You just take the picture. I mean, I searched like a homeless old white guy. I find the picture in like two minutes um, (laughs) and I confronted the paper about it. And actually, they have yet to get back to me, but they they did agree after I told them that because their paper is only 16.67 percent true that I should get that cut rate on my ads. So um, (laughs) Dan McCullough, if you're listening, I'm trying to get that ad. You know, I'm trying to buy some ads. Um, Aren't you boy, Dan? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, so these two reporters, the guy that wrote this fake story and another one at the Inquirer, they both. Uh, cover the same guy. He called himself Beast. Um, his name is Ed. And um, I said, uh, like, do Ed, you? Who was Ed? Ed was one of the the, the peaceful. Protesters. He may be the he he may be the only actual like close to being really like he's definitely a Philadelphian. My my gut yeah. after the six seventy six thing was that this was no Philadelphia people. Like even Outlaw was saying Through that the these. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, if even she's saying that, like, you know, maybe that's the only truthful thing she's ever said. (laughs) So um, I went there and this guy, Ed, is 100 percent from Philadelphia, not technically homeless or certified homeless. People laughed at me when I said that, too. But there's actually a process to um, certify yourself with the city so they know that you're homeless uh, for anybody out there listening for that. But basically, um, he confirmed for me when I finally went down there after these reporters um, weren't doing their job. I said, oh, you want me to do your job, too? So, OK, I went down there, did their job. And this guy, Ed, confirmed for me that people at the camp were from as far as Washington State, California. And he could not confirm for me how many actual Philadelphians were there, let alone homeless Philadelphians. Right. And my biggest thing about this was, you know, I guess I do still have a bleeding heart somewhere in there. And I definitely feel for the homeless because um, I when I went to school at Temple I definitely um, was exposed to a lot of homeless people and you know befriended some people and learned what that whole um, experience was like for them so I was saying we need to figure out how many homeless people we have at this camp from Philadelphia so that the taxpayers can help them out but if you're from Portland if you're from Washington if you're from California get the fuck out of here and go home because we don't need to build you houses so well that was my main that was my main thing initially that's a a recurring thing I mean because we've seen this all over the country right when we have these protests Mm -hmm. they're basically bussing people all around so yeah, you go back to the you go back to the '60s and the civil rights movement. We used to bust people down to the south from the north for these kind of student-led uh, movements. Now they're bussing people in to destroy cities all over the country. They weren't happy enough destroying Portland and, and you well, know, Seattle and here's the thing, California, and they're trying to bring it here now. The thing is, they're still destroying Portland, which is crazy. Yeah. But right, right. they 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 do this, and you're right. None. I would I would be comfortable to say 90% of the people there were for outside the city. The other probably 9% were um, these 
young kids who think this is just a cool movement to be a part of. Sure. And kids that are there because it's and, something that's going on. And it's on. something that it's like a big hang social gathering of, you know, yeah. of the summer. And they're there. Well, and it, it is, though. It is, though. I mean, you think about this. We, we had the same thing in Columbus, Ohio. And it's all the Ohio State kids out there taking selfies. Like, look at me. I'm SJWing. You know it's what like I mean? It's like communist camp. It's yeah, like communist LARPing. camp. Yeah, the communist LARPing. That's exactly what yeah. it is, right? Yeah. Because they're not yeah, really. Yeah, and they even, had, they even had the wealthier suburb. Like, I, it was. It really was like a tourist attraction. I mean, people came in from Mount Airy. Mm-hmm. And, like, they would donate some money. It was like this whole shit show. And yeah. it, it was on the face of it, the fact that they put it out as a homeless encampment. And all it was about was stealing money to make like tiny homes at the end of the day that really that part all really pissed me off but when i started to put the dots together and see you know these people were coerced they were told that this was for homelessness when in fact it was for a housing development a people are having sex in the open overdosing and dying children are there b and then i actually looked at the letter of the law and what is defined as human trafficking which i had never done before and that opened my eyes a whole hell of a lot because it's not always somebody kidnapped chained in a basement forced forced into sex you know and after learning about it like there are people that work in restaurants and dry cleaners and people's homes and for city governments and you know the whole thing really it just started to look very clear to me that on the surface it was clear it was human trafficking so god knows what was actually happening if you can interrogate anybody there yeah so uh, so matt you basically as a citizen of philadelphia um you finally, instead of like a lot of people just go on Twitter and bitch and moan about this or that and just scream and fight with people, you actually yeah. engaged with uh, quite a few reporters. And basically how you got down there was you were challenged. Like, well, if you know you, you want to find a story, you go down to do it. And you did that. That's right. That's and exactly right. So you go down, you do your own investigation. Tell us what you found out. Tell us, take us through the whole, your whole trip through it and, and everything you um, came across while you were down there. Yeah, so it all started, uh, it did all start on Twitter because I challenged the reporter and I said, hey, like, why are you publishing stock images? And then he laid me with, I don't pick the pictures. And I'm like, okay, well, your editor did and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And what really tipped me off was when Ellie Rushing, who's an intern over at the Inquirer, um, I was talking to her about it. And I said, basically, like, did you ask this guy how he became homeless? Because I've met plenty of homeless people. And that's one of the first kind of questions. Like, how did you end up here? You know, if you want to know a human being and what their life is like, that's a natural question to ask. And her response was, that would be dehumanizing. To ask and I was, how they got there. Yes. You know, exploiting people for your own personal benefit and for exactly. the news, that's completely cool. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. So she, you know, was basically like, if you want to know, you should go down there. So it was like either the next day or the day after that, I hopped on Twitter and I found people connected to the thing. And the, the subject of their story is a guy named Ed Hairston, and he goes by the name Beast. Um, they didn't know his first name or his last name because they claimed that he wanted his identity secret. And I figured, oh, you probably just didn't ask because you yeah. thought it was inhumane to ask the guy his real name, whatever. So like the next day or the next uh, couple of days, I hopped in my car because I live in South Philly. I went over to Von Collin and I said, you know, I'm here to talk to Ed or I'm here to talk to Beast because I didn't know his name then. And he was the guy that ran like the canteen. So when people would drop donations off of toilet paper, water, Water, cigarettes, like whatever. He kind of managed that, and people would say, "Hey, can I get a Lucy?" And he, you know, kind of ran all that stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, so I sat down with them and I just started asking them the questions like, okay, like, where are you from in the city of Philadelphia? And how did you end up here and all this stuff? And um, after talking to him, it was clear that he is definitely like an old head from Philly. He told me he was in a graffiti crew. He told me what his name was. I had him sign a paper so I could see what his hand style looked like. Um, What was it? What was his uh, tag name? Beast. He wrote Beast. Oh, that's what he. Okay. That makes sense then. (laughs) Oh, there we go. And, you know, like, I'm from the city, so I see that stuff around, and, like, I know what it looks like, and he, you know, he knew how to do it proper. He's an old, older guy, but, like, you know, he's telling me about... Hey, 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 be careful. How old is he? How old is he, Matt? Is he older he than me? 50, he was in his 50s, okay. I'd say. Yeah, so he's, he's he was a little... He's a little good, good. Yeah, and he told me, like, when he was locked up, he watched the move bombing from from prison. Like, he knew so many things about the city, and he told me about his family heritage and, like, just had a real conversation with him. And I was really only there to find out, A, are you a real homeless Philadelphian? B, are there any other real homeless Philadelphians? And, and like, what's the story? And after he told me point blank that, you know, he could not tell me another person who was really from the city and homeless and that he didn't have the city homeless certification, I knew like this is complete and utter bullshit. This is not about homeless people. There's no homeless people here. It's anything but about real homeless people. So that was like a major thing. And my first tip off that the press was covering it up or silent or ignorant was because Mike Jarek from Fox 29 was there. I have photos of him and his cameraman. They were there the same day I was there covering the story, and they did not mention human trafficking or the fact that there were no real homeless people there. Yeah, and what's crazy is they don't they don't care, and it's so obvious. It was yeah. so obvious watching it. Now, Professor, you're out in Ohio, so you you didn't get to see it every day. Um, unfortunately, I was able to watch all this, um, you know, on the news and. It was almost like no one really took it serious as far as the media was just like, oh, okay, yeah, they're fighting, they're fighting for homeless rights and to help the homeless. And like you said, Matt, there's nobody homeless there, and this is just another one of these, you know, smoke screens to allow people to come in, take over a part of a city, screaming, yell. Theater. It's it's political theater that's been organized by people that have money and have an agenda. I'm not trying to get conspiratorial, but I mean, you know, if you're taking people from Washington state and Oregon and California and getting them out here, for the most part, these probably aren't high earners, right? Someone's has money. Somebody's funding these folks to come out here and raise hell in other cities. Well, and to me, to me, I'll tell you the craziest thing. Imagine all the, you know, the, the mainstream or lamestream news media out there, all the resources they have, and a dude from South Philly got in a car and figured this out in a couple of hours. <laughs> That's right. Well, what does they, it say? Well, what see, does it say well, about the media? They won't ask real questions. They won't ask real well, questions. They don't even care as human beings. And the crazy thing is that I think I told um, I think I told Mark earlier when we first talked that so seeing Mike Jarek there was the first sign I had that the press was either too inept or disconcert you know not concerned or whatever to to figure it out. It was only a couple of weeks ago that a woman named Kristen Johansson from KYW, I got into a thing with her on Twitter, and after emailing back and forth with her, she literally said, and I published this, quote, there was absolutely some human trafficking going on. And she says she lives in that neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she also 
trying to convince me that the press and other people reported it. But if you look up the situation and type Von Collin human trafficking and you find anything that actually identifies human trafficking happening there, it's from me. Not one other news outlet will even acknowledge that it happened. So I know for a fact um, of my contacts who are in the know of all this stuff and they know for sure all this shit was going down in there. They they know. Uh, they they have n- nothing's going to be on paper because no one came out and officially no victims came and made reports. Um, right. And if they did, he don't know about it. But that stuff did happen. And the other thing now we have friends that worked with us that are in the federal, you know, law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And I know a, one of my really good friends personally who was going out to other parts of the country to stop people from driving over to other parts of, you know, from the West Coast to come to the East Coast to get involved in whatever, you know, it, movement was going to be portrayed in that city at that time. And he would, they were stopping people left and right. So this was an orchestrated plan operation from whoever started it. And the problem with the media is the people that are planning this, the people that are paying and funding this are the powerful ones calling the shots. So the media won't even go in there and honestly report what the hell's going on. It's just like the incident, like you've all just seen, which just happened with those two black girls who tasered the guy, carjacked them. Yeah, the, the, the reach driver right, or whatever he was. Right? He gets, he died, he, he, he gets murdered. That's a murder, okay? What do you mean? It, it was from an accident. Well, See, and and that's how accident. they spin it. That's an accident because yeah, it's not fitting. It's not fitting the narrative that is going across right. the 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 mainstream media today, which is all white people are bad. That didn't fit, so they made it as innocent as possible, and they got blasted for by everybody. Uh, meanwhile, you know we have a, a a legitimate terrorist who, for whatever reason, is being it's being hushed up with his ISIS connections and his you know ISIS love Anti- affair. Trump rhetoric all over Facebook, and all of a sudden, but, but all that gets hushed up because it's not fitting a narrative, and that's what happened down um, last summer. People didn't want to hear that. These were outsiders. Mm-hmm. People didn't want to hear that. They're not really homeless. These are just maniacs down here acting up, causing the destruction. Right. And bad, you know, it sucked for the people that did live down there. It sucked for the people that sure. worked in the city. But the media didn't care. And I know for a fact, and, and it's so it's so easy for people not to care because the incident you're talking about, there's a vi- there's video footage and it's sensational and it gets people excited and all yeah, this kind click, of stuff. Clickbait, it's clickbait, right? And a lot of the things that I uncovered that allow. And the city sponsored this. I think that's the thing is b- these tiny little things that I started to connect like, oh, wait, so um, is camping legal in Philadelphia? No, you, there's there's no permit for camping. You cannot camp. So an encampment is illegal, period. You can't do what they were doing. Second of all, I talked to the guy at the Parks Department who would have been the one to permit them. And what his response to me was about the whole affair was that it was an activation of public space. But they did not get a permit to do it. So what does that mean? How much would a permit have cost? I don't know, 75 bucks a day or whatever it would be. But that means that at a time when the government is shutting down businesses, telling people they can't work, the city's in debt over half a 
billion dollars. They won't even take a couple hundred dollars from these maniacs for a permit to do this bullshit. They literally gave that financial contribution by not having them do it. They gave them water from the water department. They shut down streets for them. So when I say the city sponsored human trafficking, they contributed resources, capital, people. they're, They're complicit. They're complicit. Exactly. At least complicit. At least complicit. And the biggest and the the biggest part. Yeah, go ahead. Imagine the laziness of the media in Philadelphia when you can't get a picture of a homeless person who's literally on just about every corner. You can't even go out and take your own pictures. You can't do your own investigations. You just rely on nonsense. And citizen journalists can come out and do this job easily. And better. I mean, you know, (laughs) Well, here's the crazy thing, right? I mean, you would think this is nothing new. I mean, you've seen people like Tim Pool, even Stephen Crowder, folks, I guess, that kind of have national audiences, international audiences. Mm -hmm. All you got to do, this isn't the old days where you only had two or three channels and you just kind of get fed what you get fed. Mm. If you want to educate yourself, you can easily follow somebody like you on Twitter, right? You Mm -hmm. can see the work of, of citizen journalists and no narrative. Look at what I'm showing you. And we still keep our heads in the sand and refuse to see the obvious. I mean, it's I don't know what that says about our country and our, you know, the citizens of the city or other places. You're willingly turning a blind eye to this stuff just because it doesn't right. fit your narrative. Well, the, a, a part of the problem for most Americans, and this is kind of our middle class falls into this problem. Um, mm. We are we're too busy. We got to get up. We got to work our nine to fives. We got to pay our bills. We got to get your kids fed, get our kids to school. We got so much of all on our plate with our lives. When we see all this shit going on, we're just like, you fucking assholes. And we move on with our day. It's, it's unfortunate. Well, hold on a second, Professor. Hold on. It's unfortunate that that's what we do. But here's where I think people on the very far left, the people that are um, in this world of trying to control the narrative now, what they don't realize is that the middle class, the people like us are a sleeping giant because if it gets to the point where you're going to force us to be involved in your rhetoric, it's going to flip because you're not going to win. It's going to be, it's going to be an ugly, it's going to be, I disagree. I don't because eventually you're going to push and they're going to push and they're going to keep pushing and they're going to shove all this shit down. But it's not to the point where for a year, bro, they've stolen a year of our lives and we Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. swanned around and rolled around in the free money they sent us and acted like it was a gift from God. You're right. A lot of that. And and they they pay on. They paid it off for a year, but it can't last because they can't even they they can't do that. And then eventually it's going to be all right. We're not listening. We're, we're done with the fake mask bullshit. We're done with you showing, canceling everything under the sun that I like, that I think's funny. We're done. <laughs> and then when that day, when that day comes, that's where it all changes. Now, listen, the American people, this is like, you know, go back to, to ancient Rome, right? Give them, give them circuses and food or whatever it is, bread and circuses or some crap. As long as we can watch TV, as long as our lives aren't individually impacted, mm-hmm. we're not going to do but shit. But you can't really watch the TV. That's the thing. That's that's what's going to be their downfall. Okay, Twitter, Facebook, Listen, I'll tell you this. YouTube. If you've ever been, if you've ever been to countries where it's really bad, I've traveled through the Balkans. I've been to some crazy places in my life, and, and don't get me wrong. There's parts of Philly that are on par <laughs> with that. But yeah. If you've been to places where people really live that struggle, where you might die. You know what I mean? Like someone might mm-hmm. actively kill your family tonight. You'll act. At the end of the day, what they're going to do, you know, this is like they what they say, like if you put a frog in water and start. Yes. Yes. Like, that's essentially what we are. 
Yes. We allow them to erode our rights slowly. As long as they don't do it in one foul swoop, we ain't going to do anything. And mm. the reality is, no matter how bad this stuff gets, the average American is still eating all right. You know what I mean? We're the only country in the world with fat, poor people, right? We're <laughs> still eat- I mean, it's true. You go to other countries and, and you see what it's like. You don't see that. We're still eating all right. You still have iPhones. You still have Netflix, Hulu, and all this stuff. Even if you're broke, you still have somewhere to live. Our kids aren't starving to death. And the reality is I think you really need that oh shit moment to push people off the lazy boy, off mm-hmm. the sofa, and into the streets. What you have now, and we discussed this already, is LARPing, right? On both sides, to be fair, on both sides. Yep. People marching around with, with ARs and their flak jackets, all this bullshit. They're LARPers too, man. They ain't doing shit. If they were going to do something, they would have done it. And they mm-hmm. did. They sit there and talk in their online forums. They're full of shit. They're gonna go to the January sixth. The January sixth thing was the biggest LARP of 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 them oh, all. That was because I said this about like if there were real insurrectionists, somebody would have gotten their head blown off. Well, like here, here's the thing. Like I said, they just left. They left after two hours. They were just they sat they sat there, took selfies, and stole a podium, and yeah. left after two fucking hours. They had no ability to communicate why the American people should want that election uh, certification process to stop. And I feel like you know the professor makes the the good point of of saying that. Um, the frog boiling, like, th- and the way that the, like, Von Collins, such a great example of how you can manipulate and coerce people by having them accept and concede step after step. Like, it shouldn't have made sense to anyone in Philadelphia that right. f- that homeless people had the technological organizational wherewithal to get together, find an attorney, sue the mayor. Hold off the police for five fucking months before getting a multi-million dollar housing project? I mean, does that make sense to anybody? No. No. Meanwhile, you're still shitting in the alley, right? So, I mean, come on. It doesn't make any sense. And and, and just like, you know, with with the uh, incident in Philly, just like the January 6th, the insurrection. Guess what? Nobody, and I'll bet 95% of the people in Congress had no idea what the word intersection would say. Now, I'm so pissed off, I can't even fuck... You know, insurrection. I mean, insurrection. Nobody down there even knew what that word meant. Nobody. What do you mean? They're all constitutional law scholars. No, no. no. So it, it just goes to show that the media will be able. Oh, someone in the you know one of the uh, program directors or somebody said, "Oh, here's a big word. This is what that meant. This is what they did that no. day. Let's just tell well, the it, world it, that." And it boom. Sounds more. Nef- it sounds more nefarious, doesn't it? Right. I mean, it sounds like, "Oh my God, there was an insurrection." But now that is that is in the grand, you know, in a bigger scale um, compared to what happened down in Philly last year. It's the media is says, "Oh, let's make it a homeless encampment. Let's and make so it the, about the, this." The professor's point about the slow burn of the um, this whole situation, I call I call a phenomenon of rhetorical disarmament. When they call this LARP or this staged event or this like half-witted attempt to occupy the Capitol for a couple of minutes, when they call that an insurrection, now we look back at 2020 in Portland and Seattle and Philadelphia and New York City. I mean, do you remember the anarchist jurisdiction designation that they put out? Like that was Bill Barr and Trump trying to edge towards saying that they were going that there was an insurrection, but they refused to actually declare it. I think because that would have had this attempt of the left to force us into a fascistic state because if well, they say it, there it, is an insurrection, you know, it pushes. Well, what it does is though it pushes the narrative of Trump as a fascist. 
right now. And America's right. Well, but right. But what I mean, if you think about it, if Trump says, hey, this is an insurrection or something like that, they're going to say, oh, my God, it's free speech. He's suppressing Americans yep. and free speech. We told you this was coming. Exactly. Right? And, and they also said all the gay people would be in camps and all this other stuff would happen. <laughs> and it's bullshit. None of it happened. Right. None of it happened. It's bullshit. But it's that lie. I mean, you know this. Whenever you have an argument, and someone compares you to Hitler. The, the argument's over. Because yeah, or to emotion and it's bullshit. And today it's it's everybody's it's, racist now. That's the argument white today. Nationalists or white nationalists, very specific. I'm a Jew and they call me that shit too, and that cracks me up. Well, I mean, you see this all the time, right? I mean, Candace Owen is called the white nationalist, a black woman is a white nationalist, or the Hodge twins, or these other anyone who's conservative is then called these names by white liberals, which is mind-boggling. But this right. is this is the the dynamic that we operate in now. I mean, imagine what it's like for me. I, I work in academia. It's seriously mm. like being in, in bizarro world. I mean, mm. we, my, my university has just instituted a hotline that you can call and anonymously turn in people that are responsible for, you know, microaggressions and all these other yes, types right. of things. And I'm just like, well, I guess I'll be done in about a year and a half because uh, I don't know how this is going to turn yeah, it's out. It's literally it's like China. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Every day we become more like China. And it's and nobody understand. Everybody just sits back, like you said. Everyone has that free money right now, so it's like ah, whatever. I don't give a fuck. And but here's the thing. I mean, there have been people that have been impacted by COVID. You know, what I mean, obviously, but they're just. I mean, I still haven't gotten my legitimate tax return back because we're busy sending out free money to everybody. By the time I get it, the money I get will be worth as much as Turkish lira. You know what I mean? It'll be worth it. <laughs> yeah. Written shit out. It's it, and it, it it's the big scam. It, it's it's sad because. You know what? We're going to vote the same people back in office. Um, just like we're at, like the say, issue. Don't say we. No, they. Don't say we. Don't say I, we. Let me rephrase. They will vote the same ba- <laughs> same people back into office. But we talked about this last week. Just like the major problem we're having in Philly is mm-hmm. the murder rate is so out of control that it, mm-hmm. it's when you hear it on the news, you don't even blink. Justin Franklin Mills yesterday, a guy was shot in their food court. I don't know if you saw it out there, Professor. But in the food court? In the what? food court. They have it said, shot and murdered, shot and killed in the food court. Um, what can, listen, somebody take your fries. Like, What the hell happens in the food court at Franklin Mills? Somebody got shot. To, somebody got shot. I forget if they got killed or not. Um, the day they were released from state prison. They, no, I saw uh, that. Yeah, I saw that. In the so, news. right. What happened, and I found this out. They were waiting for him. They knew he was getting out. Um, right. I, can't, I can't really say more after from what I've heard, but they... They knew the release time. It's uh, State Road, CFCF. They all get released yeah, you know, after. They're waiting out there by that train, the little bus stop. There. Right. They let. They always let them out after 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. Because one, there's no people out. Two, there's no buses. And it was funny because we would run into them all the time. We're going into the prison to drop people off. They're running out. Like screaming to go, we just got out. Can you give us a ride to Bridge and Pratt? Yeah, sometimes we would. No. Nah, sometimes I would. I didn't care. But I heard that they chased. I heard they chased him up like through the gates and shot him. Is that true? Uh, I didn't get all the details, but they were waiting for him. So it was a planned attack, a planned hit. They they know who did it. But they do like they do it in the custody of law enforcement. I mean, at that point, you have to uh, like, what is the city now? It's like Gotham without a Batman. It's insane. That, yeah. You know, that's yeah, a great point. It. And the sad part is. And Matt, I was telling you this before we came in, came on, and Professor, you know this. One of the ways to curb all this violence in this city, and it, it's like a golden ticket just sitting there, and I don't know if they don't realize it's sitting there or they don't care that it's sitting there. I, I really wish I had that answer, but 
There are right now, at any given moment, at least, and I'm going to be very, very conservative when I say this, 10,000 fugitives. The number's probably more in the 30s, but there what? are over oh, 10. Yeah, easily. Uh, active warrants at any time? No problem. Active fugitives in the city, in the city of Philadelphia yeah, right now, there are at least 10 to 20,000 active warrants that you can go out and find these people right now. Some are decades old. Some probably yeah, just happened today. Warrants. If yeah. you would allow. Oh, the, shit. Yes. If the sheriff's department. Right. Now, are, as we've said on the show, we used to be in the warrant unit. That's all we did. We worked directly for the courts. Fugitive hunting. 24 7, 365. We did it every day of the year, Christmas included. And we lock up, we can lock up 13, 10, 5, 20 people a day. It all depends. Um, you know, everything, the different factors. But there was, and that, that, that never even put a dent into it. However, well, what it did do, hold on, what it did do is it put us in a neighborhood and it put us in an area and it woke up the criminals in that area to say, oh shit, warrant units out. One, they don't mm. fuck around. Like, we're not going to yeah. go shake you down and try to, you know, lock you up on some dumb charge or nothing. They knew that. They knew, one, we weren't going to fuck around with them like that. But two, they knew if they were wanted, we were going to find out. And they were going to yeah. get, and they were off for three days. So they would hide and the streets mm. would clear out. And I can't tell you how many times you could walk up and down Kensington Ave from Allegheny to Lehigh and not see a person. That is impossible today. As you've both seen footage probably nationally right now, it's, it's making its ways around just the basic encampments along Kensington Avenue. And only yeah. zombies, that's it. Only zombies. But it's not just Kensington. Our unit would go into North Philly. It would go into West Philly, Southwest Philly. We would hit these neighborhoods. We would hit these houses. We would put the word out on the street. We're here tonight. Gone. Everybody, quiet. Districts used to call us every day for us to come into their district and clean house. And we would do it. We were effective. And it was great. It was great for the community because people loved us and hated us. You know, but we were there kicking ass and keeping the community safe. If they just allowed that, if they just dedicated a hundred people for a month to do that, I guarantee that murder numbers drop. You're right. They don't because that's more people they got to prosecute, more people they got to drop charges on. But guess what? At least the cops are doing their part and it puts it in this. Hold on. It puts it in the citizens hands to say, guess what? We're, we're trying, but your boy Krasner's letting them all back out. If you no, vote listen, him back in, it's, it's all on you at that point. He's he's their boy, the city of Philadelphia's boy. And I'll tell you this. I went to law school, man. I have plenty of friends that are working out in the field that are prosecutors, defense attorneys. I don't know any prosecutor that's out there just trying to throw cases away. You know what I mean? Mm, People mm, have welcome to Philly. Well, what I'm telling you is this. You go into this with good intentions, like policing. A lot of cops get burned out and say, screw this, I don't care anymore. You know what I mean? You get beat down so many times over the years, you become disenfranchised, you're, you, you don't care. Prosecutors wanna win, man. That's what prosecutors are about. They live and die for their win percentage. A lot of them have political aspirations down the road. These men and women wanna do the right thing. They're being told they can't. And well, can no, you, hold who's, on. Who's behind that, man? We that's all know, but here's the problem. In Philly, and Matt, you live here, you see it too. 
they don't care about winning anymore. That's not. It's they're now. It's, with, it's there's a different there's a different kind of mentality, and I think when when we talk about um, this kind of situation with Krasner and the way the criminal justice system is actually eroding here, it's very similar to when you talk about these governors and their policy with the elderly. When you talk about it like a failure, that's because you're a normal, rational person who thinks that allowing the elderly to contract SARS-CoV-2 and die is a bad thing as opposed to serving some kind of political purpose. So for Krasner, he is locked into this idea, this, this ideology about reforming and transforming is actually the word they would use, transforming criminal justice. And these people are actually, a lot of them, so deluded that they, they operate on a principle that would you, would you would describe it something like this. If we had no prisons, we'd have no prisoners. Therefore, crime would go away. So when he is letting somebody go and not prosecuting them or losing a case or whatever, so long as it serves this um, ideological purpose that the criminal justice system is reforming to a place where we won't need it anymore, they, they convince themselves it's working. Because to them, that's what they're working towards. And the political aspirations, like it's clear that success by our standards, citizens' standards, don't apply to people, uh, at least of, of this political persuasion. Otherwise, people like Rachel Levine would never have a position in the federal government. And I would be willing to bet that Krasner is looking at, you know, moving up in the world. And he probably still could, you know, whether becoming um, something in the in the DOJ or whatever. So here's here's the key thing, man. The reality is people like that aren't affected by these decisions. You know what I mean? Right. And we see this all over the country. The people are, are predominantly white liberals from the burbs, or even if you live in the mm -hmm. city, you're mm -hmm. in protected areas. So when stuff goes crazy, it's not them that's being affected. It's people like us that lived in the right. neighborhood. You know, you're the ones that deal with it of all races, you know, of all races, all backgrounds, all ethnic origins, whatever. Absolutely. See, in the city and can't get out, pay the price for their grandstanding, for their virtue signaling and for mm -hmm. that. And the crazy and part, the people that it's hurting the most are the ones voting them in. Again, right. I can get, I can move. We can leave. Most of us, when they did the soda test, we can shop outside the city. It's in Baltimore and Detroit and, you know, all these major urban centers and they just turn into cesspools because business leaves, the tax base leaves. And you know they'll blame it on white flight and try to demonize you and call you names over it. But the reality is, why would you stay somewhere where you're gonna be victimized, your children are gonna be victimized, mm. you're gonna be taxed to the point that it doesn't make sense for you to be there anymore. And, and, and one of the problems, and we both know the criminal justice system I, I, is just grossly just out of touch with reality. I think we could all agree on that. We worked in it. We've seen it. And, you know, we have like like we've talked about before. We've had cases where a girl did six months in jail for stealing something. And we're we're relocking up this the same guy for a gun charge every 45 days because he keeps getting out with no bail. It was there's, ass there's backwards. There's However, there, hold on. the problem right now. With Krasner and what he's been doing is it's not so much that he's trying to get in there and reform and change everything for the better. What he's doing is trying to tip the scales the wrong way. And I've told this story before. There was two people, same exact crime. One kid was a black kid, got accused of beating somebody up, didn't get picked out in a lineup, case dismissed first time. No arguments. Case dismissed. Same exact thing happened to a white kid. Now, 
you may not know, and Professor, you probably don't even really know this too because you have been here for a while. In Philadelphia, before you go, if you're not identified uh, beforehand, before a crime, you go to your first preliminary hearing, you can ask for, a lot of times they ask for a lineup. And it's more of a stall tactic because never does it, whenever anybody goes up and does the lineup, everyone's always picked. So it's almost one of those just (laughs) standardized, okay, lineup, all right, set for this day, see you back here then. Well, I know personally a white kid who said, nope, I want a lineup because I wasn't there. Wasn't me. Goes up. Now he had to go up to CFCF, got in a room, got in a cell with five other guys. They all, he wore a prison suit just like they did. Kid couldn't pick him out. Kid said, not only can I not pick him out, I'm not coming to court. So we're cool. We're done. Thanks anyway. Kid leaves. Guess what happens? They go to court. Lawyer goes up, your honor. They couldn't pick him out of the lineup. He's not here because he told the prosecutor he's not coming. Prosecutor, is that true? Yeah, but we're going to try. We're going to go off the um, detective statement. They continue it all the way to the third time. You get three tries. And only at the third time did they finally withdraw it. Now, that was because it was a white kid. So what he is doing is trying to tip the scale to hammer home all the white kids who basically, in his eyes, have been getting off scot-free for the past 20-some-odd years. While every, you know, black kid who's been arrested or, or, you know, minority has been getting a shaft. Now, granted, a lot have. But to to fix this broken system is not to do it this way. And there's people down there that see it. Well, the funny thing is about that or not not the, the dark humor in that is that you let someone off who's committing crimes. And in this situation, it's uh, like, who are they committing crimes against? And in what neighborhoods are they committing these crimes? And what, right. And what, and what property values never increase and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you said something about um, they will keep voting in the same uh, people or whatever. And like, at this point, I feel like any, any person who would look at this and say, how many years can a city have a mayor from the same political party before you start to think that the elections are actually rigged? Because in Philadelphia, we've had a Democrat mayor for 70 years, 70, seven zero, seven decades, 20 years longer than Joe Biden has been ripping off the American people. Has Philadelphia had a Democrat mayor, which I don't even give a shit what party it is. If you said it's the, uh, the Dingleberry party, like you'd have to think after a while, what the fuck are they doing to stay in power so long? They don't even accidentally lose you know what i'm saying like something is fucked up with that and it's the same situation with with krasner because right now i keep hearing like the main theme people are banging the drum you want to get krasner out get krasner out sure but what's their alternative to get the remaining you know i'm joking 20 republicans and independents in philadelphia to switch their party uh uh registration to democrat to vote for vega the other Democrat. I mean, honestly, like I wrote an article the other day that, that Philadelphians have an abusive relationship with this party. They yeah. keep going back, even though they keep getting their asses handed to them. It's crazy. Matt, you well, hit that on the head, dude. That's exactly what it's like. It's an abusive relationship where you keep going back and hoping it will be different the next time. Well, the problem also is there's no Republican that will stand out and say, you know what? I'm going to give it a real go. The last guy to do that was. Because you can't. 
Yeah, but you can't. You're, you're right. You can't. But they're not going to win. It's a waste of money. Republican, the current. I mean, it's I, they're not even real Republicans. The current Republican yeah. candidate for DA, Peruto, said literally that he is only running to get Krasner out, and if Vega wins the primary, he's done. There will be no opposition. So even though you get a Puerto Rican face on the party, it's the same party agenda, and he's saying the same shit that Krasner said that he's a civil rights attorney and fought for the victim. It's the same line of bullshit, and like they're not even capable of doing it even if they had the, it, the that good intention because in Philadelphia it's like a whack-a-mole problem mm. you know you've got corruption in the DA's office when I was doing the stuff I was doing at Von Collin all the places I reported it to the DA's office the office of the inspector general the local department of the FBI I mean every department in the city that I took this to when I said hey like something's fucked up here um, it looks like human trafficking trafficking to me they definitely don't even have a permit at least like can't somebody do something and it's I call I call them crimes of complicity because these everyone's got their head turned so far to the left that it's about to break off. I mean, the down to the parks department permitting office, just like nah, they don't need one. The park commissioner, nah, they don't need one. I mean, they all report to who? Jim Kenny. And if mm-hmm. I like it, whole crazy journey after this looking at the whack-a-mole problem i mean if anyone who's listening knows jim kenny he does not come across as like a mad genius of any sort right <laughs> not the sharpest tool in the shed however in philadelphia if you look at the structure the organizational structure of the city government there is no check and balance we do not have three branches of government like the federal government there's the mayor and then every department is another tier of leadership below them so that's yeah. Part of how this remains corrupted is we don't even you, they talk about systemic racism or systemic. That's a systemic problem where you're never going to have an accountable mayor in this city. And if you look back through the 70 years, it's been this way. You won't find one. Maybe Rizzo kind of. But, you know, not, and, not so much. And, and the last Republican that actually gave it a shot was Sam Katz, I believe, um, yep. when, when he challenged Street and only lost by a few percentage um percentage points and mm-hmm. i remember professor me and you were downtown working both of us down there at that time yeah and you know it was a there was a shot as crazy as it sounds there was an actual shot for him to win right now if a real true gung-ho somebody that was willing to take the abuse somebody had a little bit of uh, financial backing on the Republican side, was able to come, I mean, it's too late now, but was really out there and wanted to challenge Krasner, I honestly believe he would win. He or she could win no, this I, this I one race. Nope. I don't think the Republican Party in the state or the city is actually legitimate. I'm sorry to say no, that. No, and you're right. They don't care. It, it's Philadelphia a, it's a, is... It's a mirage or a facade, dude, to make yes. it sink. It's the illusion of choice. No, it's... it, it's really yeah, the Republican yeah, I mean, Party... I've said this for years. Think about this. Just think about this logically. Even if you look at traditional politics, Democrat and Republican, they're, they're the same faces of the same monster, right? I mean, if you think about the Supreme Court, all they are is elites, right? Now, you might have different colored elites or males and females and different things, but they all went to Harvard. They all went to Yale. They're all elites. If you look at the, the politicians, they're out here hugging each other. A day. I mean, imagine, just think about this. If you're Joe Biden, would you pick Kamala Harris, a woman that called you uh, a rapist, essentially? Would you pick her as your <laughs> mate? Yeah, well... And, you know, it's a facade. They're all the same. But it it just goes and not to turn, you know, we kind of went political here. But as you know, as we've said in the past, this all comes. It all trickles down because in our city, in Philadelphia, insane shit like that happened. The encampment down in a parkway 
it, 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 it's allowed and it ruins it ruins the quality of life for the people around them. Just like the way they're not prosecuting on basically any misdemeanor charge anymore. It ruins the neighborhoods. People think Kensington is hell and it is, but guess what? There's a ton of people that live there because that's where they have to live. They have to raise right. kids there. It ruins their lives. It but ruins listen, if you think everything. About this, look at this historically, right? New York was a colossal shithole. If you went down to, you know, Times Square in those areas a couple decades back. It was a complete yeah. Zoo. You couldn't Warner go near theaters. Homeless people, you know, you're getting robbed left and right. And they actually came through with comp, something called CompStat, and it was kind of you know targeted policing in the areas where it's bad, and they cleaned New York up. Now, if you did those same things today, you'd have people lobbing accusations of xenophobia, racism, you know, mm -hmm. all these other types of things at you. And the reality is, um, you know. If you let the police do what they need to do, and again, I, you know, I worked in law enforcement, so I obviously have some allegiances there, but I'm certainly not 100% cop. When cops are wrong, screw them. It's as bad as anybody else. It's probably worse. Well, right? Yeah. And, they're, not letting, they're not letting the police do what they need to do, and, that, and this is what you get. And, that, and the other problem is the cops are afraid to do what they have to do. They have no yeah. nobody taking their back. It's, it, it's insane. Well, it's free for all right now. York? They, they just eliminated, you know, qualified immunity in New York, which is absolute insanity. Yeah. And, insanity. and I see people celebrating this like, oh, they you know, can't get away with whatever they want. And I'm like, they never could. They yeah, that's 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 one of those things that, you know, prior to the encampment, I was kind of uh, I got really um, pissed about all of the George Floyd riots that came to town. And when I started to talk to the people that were involved in the protest version and talk to the crazies online about it, like not one of these people would tell me. And these are the thousands of people that they you know represented in, in coming to Philadelphia to chant uh, Black Lives Matter and I can't breathe and all this stuff like do you know of any white cop that murdered a black guy in Philadelphia in the last 35 years? And they're like, uh, no, like they can't, they can't name it. They don't know the statistics. And I actually read a report from the Philly PD from a couple of years ago. And the conclusion of that was basically that black cops are more likely to rough up a black citizen than white cops are anyone else in even more interactions with them. Well, so yeah, it's like, I'm sorry. I will tell you this. As, as an, you know, I'm a college professor, obviously. I'm an academic. There have been articles put out by academics that have tested these theories because the accepted narrative is that white cops are just crazy racist going Yosemite Sam on whoever they can. Yeah, and right, nothing right, happens right, right. And when you actually look at the data, it's not true at all. There is actually um, some. You go to the FBI website and get their actual listen, true data. Some, some professors actually put together a paper and put it out there that challenged the narrative, had it published, and they were harassed so badly, they had to ask for their paper to be pulled from the journal. Because imagine, again, academia is nothing but a, a leftist hellhole, essentially. That if you have any idea slightly to the right of Karl Marx, you're demonized. Right. <laughs> and it, I mean, it, seriously, this is what it's like. And they pulled this this empirically, um, you know, research peer reviewed article from a journal because they were getting threatened by their by the universities, by people, you know, emailing them, threatening them. We don't want science. We don't want objective truth. We just want to believe the lies. And well, the, and, I, I, don't, and, I don't know how you get around it. I really don't. You, you, you don't right now. And that's the problem until they start canceling, canceling the wrong person and an uproar comes up. But we're not there the yet. Person, but right? I, I don't know that. But hold on. I want to get ready to wrap it up. But before we do. So, Matt, you went down. You talked to the guy. Bees. What? What did you come out of there 
what was your findings on every like the drug use? I mean, how bad was it? Because again, everybody on my side watching it from the TV never got past the front door. You were in. You know? Yeah. So I think I think in a way it was like a magic trick. And a lot of people have become accustomed to reading a headline and making a decision. So the people that I saw on the opposition to the homeless camp, that like you're only allowed these two choices if you want to have a conversation anymore. It's like either you're very sympathetic to the fact in this instance, you know, about um, homelessness in Philadelphia and therefore the people claiming that they're victims of that situation deserve your attention and blah, blah, blah. Or you oppose it because it's a blight on the city and therefore the city should figure out a way to fix it and bobbity bibbity bop. And like those were the only two conversations that anyone was allowed to have. Either you're for it or you're against it for this specific reason. And so the thing that I really came away from it was that um, the the crime and you see it in, on the street in the violence and all this stuff. It's happening in the open in broad daylight with like no remorse or even cover up sometimes if you're just paying attention. So it's because the pace of criminality is so much faster than the pace of justice. And that was the thing that I really came away with because in front of my eyes, what I was seeing, like if, if the same exact things were happening in 1800, it would be clear they're importing slaves into the city and they're going to end up somewhere in the city system. And that, that was the thing that started to really boggle my mind was just thinking through, okay, so a person is coerced from poor Portland to come to Philadelphia to protest for homelessness. It's actually a real estate development project. They are going to need a job or to live somewhere. So now the city is going to house them. They're going to get them on a work program, but it's outside of the city's own system, which means if they have a problem with the way the city's doing anything and they speak up, they'll be deported or sent back or arrested or whatever because they're at the behest of the city. So I feel like the thing that I came away from after the whole incident was that the city of Philadelphia government officials sponsored, sponsored, used our money and resources to uh, cater to and and enable a human trafficking experiment for their own political agenda. And, and the press. And the press covering that up was, I think, one of the most egregious things that I had ever witnessed in my life. And what we have, you know, the professor is, I, I think, a little more dubious about where we're at as a society, although I think he's right in that um, people are OK with certain kinds of uh, evil and villainy, but they're not willing to address other kinds of evil and villainy. So they're OK with racism so long as it's painted in the picture of Donald Trump. They're OK with fighting against um, you know, Asian hate crimes when it's popular. They are not OK with sitting in their living room, not connected to the television, thinking, does it make any sense that 150 homeless people got together and started racism? raising money and fighting the city with a lawyer or not. And if it doesn't make sense, then what is really going No, And, you know, and, and Mark, you made a good point at the beginning. Most people are so, especially last year when survival kicked in for everybody, there was just no time to even care about any other people for most people. And I'm just one of these people who I can't help myself sometimes. And I kind of cracked in the like, all right, someone else will figure this out or I might be wrong or maybe they'll, you know, something or other but I just couldn't take it anymore and um, I think that more and more people have to just simply either admit that they don't know enough about something and, and to like learn or not make a decision um, 
or they need to do some real research and, and stop um, being consumed by thousands of uh, ephemeral momentary stories and actually get committed to what's happening in your own city, on your own block, and with the people that, you know, in your own neighborhood, because that's how a lot of this social justice stuff um, keeps people at bay because they keep talking about these these issues as if they exist on a national level. But you can't really take action that way. You can only take action in in a physical space you can occupy. You can't so you can do something about the the park at Von Collin and whether or not these are people we need to help. You can't do something about like the idea of homelessness. So people need to kind of like get out of their own asshole about stuff and like, you know, humble themselves maybe because it's, it, it's not difficult. It's not impossible. It's just like, it, it takes work. It took work. I had to go down to the fucking park instead of just believing what the, the press was saying. So yeah. And um, it also, yeah. Good. And well, I just want to say, and you're right. Everybody's got to find, if you want the truth, you want the real answer, you're going to have to get up and get it yourself. Uh, Matt, you did that. Um, but we're, we're uh, just about out of time here. So, uh, Matt, I really want to thank you for coming on. Anybody, uh, I'm going to post his stuff on my Twitter. Uh, you can follow him at, at M-A-T-T-E-B-P-H-L. Um, Matt, has, you, you write some great stuff on there. I highly recommend it. I will put it out. And, and, Matt, I definitely want to we'll, – we'll be in touch again because there's a couple things I would like to do that I think we can work on um, and maybe open up some more eyes. But uh, I appreciate it. You know, I, again, I want to thank you for coming on. Professor, thanks. I, we kind of ran a little late there, but that was great, man. I really appreciate it, and I'll be in touch too, with I you. Appreciate, I appreciate everything, and Tristan, it was great to meet you. Mark, I really appreciate you having me on. Anyone listening, um, definitely check it out. And um, start speaking up about stuff and doing your own research because we need more people to be uh, thinking critically about this stuff or, you know, <laughs> it's just going to keep getting worse, and it can't get worse. Amen. Keep up the good work, Maddie. We need more citizen journalists telling people what's really going on, man. So thanks. All right, guys. All right, guys. I'll talk to you later. Everybody, check us out on all the platforms, lastoutmedia.com. Thanks.